Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. friends and greetings. I am recording this in a travel lodge in Bristol, the glamour of it all. Uh, I went to see Beyonce last night, which you're going to hear lots about over the course of the next hour or so, um, because everyone I spoke to wanted to know all about it. Um, it was amazing, absolutely amazing. Um, if you're going to see her on one of the other dates, you're going to have a ball. It's such an incredible show. Um, otherwise, how has my week been? I, like, I literally, every single time I sit down to do this, I'm like, I have to go back and look at my calendar because I can't remember one day to the next. It's been a lovely week actually. I um loads of family time over the weekend which was great. Um Fizz Fest was on in Fibsburg so I was involved in the launch of that which is just it's just such a lovely local festival. Loads of great stuff on. Lots of playground time um all that kind of crack basically. Um no major news on my end just keeping on keeping on getting ready for the VIP style awards which are on next Friday which I'm very much looking forward to. I just love getting dressed up and I love looking at everyone else's outfits. It's like like I'm nominated which is lovely. If you want to vote for me, I'll stick a link in the in the show notes but like I, it's not about that for me at all. I'm just so happy to be there <laughs> um, and to get to have a gawk at all the fashion. Um, it's always a really fun night, so very much looking forward to that. But now let's get on with the business and we need to get a catch up on the week's news stories. So let's chat to Aoife Moore. Aoife Moore, once again, we are gathered through the medium of Zoom because I am in Bristol and you are in Dublin um, and we're going to catch up on the news stories of the week. Um, I'm I'm so delighted you got to see Beyonce. Yeah, I yeah, it was amazing. It was amazing. I was just watching videos of last night. Like it was so hard not to like. I was really fighting myself not to like have my phone out the whole time. Yeah, but I yeah. but I didn't. You know, but I but you know, you watch the videos the next day and you're like, I mean, what it what even is this? Like, <laughs> yeah, you know. But at the time, you're like, <laughs> I but I want I, it. I always put Hans everybody was on my Instagram. I'm like. The sound quality is terrible. The people aren't going to watch this anyway. No. What who am I doing this for? Exactly. I know. And yet you feel compelled to do it. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. So yeah, I didn't, I didn't, I, I had my phone away for a lot of it because, um, 
it, I wanted to be present. And yeah, it was it was okay. incredible. She's amazing. Um, more on that later in the podcast. Um, but now let's get into the stories. Um, there's lots to discuss. Unfortunately, uh, lots of interesting stuff, but lots of awful stuff as well. Um, yeah, it's not been a great week. No, it really hasn't. And let's start with... Um, let's start in dairy. Yes, exactly. Um, now, I know we obviously need to be a little bit careful about the way we talk about this. Yeah. Um, but I think it is important to acknowledge it. So yep. take it away. <laughs> okay. So um, last week, a woman called Nicola Gallagher, the former wife of the County Dairy GAA manager, Rory Gallagher, came forward in a very long Facebook post where she claims um, that he was very abusive to her throughout their marriage and when she was pregnant she details a number of incidents um, of violence against her from when they were very young teenagers up until you know they were married with kids um, it then later emerged that the public prosecution service in the north had received two investigation files from the PSNI against Rory Gallagher in January 2022 and June 2022 but they determined there was not enough evidence to provide a reasonable prospect of conviction. Mm. Then it came out that Nicola Gallagher's father, Jerry Rooney, made claims against Mr. Gallagher in an email to the management of Derry GAA. Mm. And then he was subsequently appointed the manager of Derry GAA. So they are claiming that Derry GAA were aware of this. Now, Derry GAA said that they were not. They can't find the email because they think the email address might not exist anymore. Mm. Um, it has caused... Mr. Gallagher, Rory Gallagher, is now no longer the dairy manager. Derry won the Ulster final on Sunday. It was amazing. We went to penalties. I can't talk about it. I was so nervous. Mm-hmm. Um, and he stepped down. He's resigned from the position. He denies all the claims against him. He said they're very serious allegations. And he said he was stepping down for the sake of his children because he has custody of their children. Um, and... Nicola Gallagher says this is because she developed an addiction issue with alcohol when through their marriage to cope with the alleged abuse. Mm. It started a longer conversation about domestic violence and the GAA mm. and Nullig Nibrelli, so Joe Brawley's sister, um, has come out. Um, she and who's Joe Brawley for people who don't Sorry. know? Joe Brawley won the All-Ireland uh, for Derry in 1993. He is a barrister. He is um, an eccentric man, but a GAA commentator mm. and a Derry legend. His sister... So he'd be uh, a high-profile high GAA person. High, very high-profile yeah. uh, Derry GAA person and regular GAA person. Uh-huh. And his sister, Nullig, has come out and said that she fears... Um, that the culture of the GAA has become very toxic and she thinks that there has to be a larger conversation within the GAA community about um, domestic violence. Um, she said that, you know, she 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 is a barrister and she has worked on the commission uh, into child abuse and she said there is no transparency or accountability or real engagement with communities. Mm. And she said, I would be fearful that people with genuine concerns are going to hit a wall of silence. Mm. And that's where the rot sits. And and she said, you know, that's how domestic violence, um, like it festers because people don't feel like they can come forward. Mm. And it's better that it's brought into the light. So she's calling for a proper discussion with the GAA because we know how important the GAA is. Yeah. in communities absolutely um that they should be kind of leading the charge when it comes to recognizing the signs of domestic violence the signs mm-hmm. of coercive control um and it's just started a wider conversation about things that are 
you know, turned a blind eye day. And it's not mm. just in the GAA. You know, we know that no. this happens up and down the country in different areas. Mm. But yeah, it's just started a larger conversation. So I think if there's any good to come of this, it will be if we can get the GEA and other community groups know to have a kind of wider conversation about domestic violence because it is in a lot of places we know you know people don't want to talk about it It, Mm. they see it as maybe like a private matter or whatever Mm. and we know that that's how it you know it festers yeah okay unfortunately we have to talk about an incident of violence um of a different kind um I uh, I I I, like this there's a yeah, you start. <laughs> yeah, so um, uh, a schoolboy in Navin in County Meath um, ha- was attacked by other children. This child was attacked by other children, um, not in school, but when they were walking home from school, they were crossing mm. a green. Um, he suffered concussion, broken teeth, extensive bruising. He had a shoe print on his forehead. And the film, what the film, the incident was filmed and posted online. I would advise everyone not to watch it. Mm. It's incredibly hard um, to watch. No one intervenes. The only people who intervene are other boys who then go on to attack the yeah. boy. He is begging for help. It is so hard to watch. He is fourteen years old. He was not doing anything at all. You can see in the video that they, he is walking along with a girlfriend and they come up behind him. It's, um, it is, I, I wish I hadn't seen it. I, to be honest, same. really, I, I saw it and then I immediately was like, why are, why is this being shared? Like, I don't yeah, understand. It, it, adds, it, it adds to the humiliation exactly, for the child. Exactly. And also for every queer person watching, it, it's, it's traumatic like it I I found it ex- yes yeah. and for any I mean look it's it would be difficult to watch and I didn't watch the whole thing once I realized what was happening I I closed it because but I, mm-hmm. I it is so upsetting it is so upsetting um so the Taoiseach made a really good statement on it Leo Varadkar um said it was horrifying he said it looked to me like someone who was targeted because they're different and they were humiliated and physically assaulted I think everyone could damn it utterly um, he said, I want to send my solidarity to the young person who was harmed. I really want to say to them that life does get better. It is very sad that people experience violence and bullying in school, but life does get better and not to give up. Um, you'd hope that as time moves on, particularly with young people being so progressive and so clued into the world around them, that this wouldn't happen. But it still does. And I feel really sorry for the young person and his family. I actually am getting like a wee bit emotional yeah. even reading that out. Do you think that we could have a gay Taoiseach and be this like newer Ireland two referendums done that we have moved on and a 14 year old is attacked walking home from school because of how he presents himself it's it's, it's devastating and and it and um, it's it just it because it, I think we hear so much and I know that it's true that there is progress and and I know that things are getting better but like the fact that something like this would happen and there it's because there are so many of them. There are so many of them. Yeah. And and like and oh, it's... these things are all connected. There is no proper sex education in schools that teaches people about LGBT relationships, about, you know, other people's genders. We are still having a sex education curriculum that has been built around than Ireland that was controlled by the church. This comes down to respect of other people mm-hmm. and other people's differences. Yeah. And I just, 
the, you can't look at this in a vacuum. There is a reason this happened. There is yeah. a reason that Wee Boy was targeted. Um, so, just to say, uh, I saw someone I follow saying, you know, parents talk to your kids, and like, yes, don't assume that your kids know, you know, about this I, stuff. I or no, I thought about this uh, this morning, and I was thinking, those wee boys who carried out that attack their mommies probably think that they're good wee boys and they would never do anything mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. So when you hear parents saying, well, my child doesn't need to learn about consent and doesn't need to learn about, you know, respect and kindness because my child is respectful and kind, I'm sure those wee boys who attacked that child think that their child is respectful and kind too. Yeah. Talk to your kids. And also, um, you know, maybe contact your whatever school they're in um, and see what they're doing to, you know, educate their children or their students, excuse me, on on diversity and, uh, you know, difference and that it should be celebrated and not um, seen as the enemy. I know we spoke to uh, Ruan O'Creed on, on the show, on the show, on the podcast <laughs> a while ago um, from Shout Out. And they are an amazing organization who do incredible workshops in schools to educate teachers and students um, on diversity and particularly around LGBTQ plus um, people. Um, Shoutout.ie is their website. Maybe see if your school is engaging with them and try and encourage your school to do so if not because that we cannot have this. Like it's it's absolutely unacceptable and I know we're all on the same page on that. Okay, now this uh, like absolutely wild thing that happened this week um, with the Irish Times and an article that was a hoax. I cannot and I work in journalism I cannot make head nor tail so last week the Irish Times opinion section ran an alleged a story by an alleged 29 year old healthcare worker called Adriana Acosta Cortez who said that Irish woman's use of fake tan was cultural appropriation I so just story, to say I read this when it went up. Oh, see, I didn't. I read I, it. I was taken down by the time I realized. No, I read it and I sent it to one of my WhatsApp groups, and I was like, "This is a reach." <laughs> like, like, yeah. I am so, completely sensitive to the ideas around cultural cultural appropriation. I believe it is a real thing, um. But like, this article was wild, in my opinion. So yeah, a lot of people said as soon as they read it, they felt like it was rage bait. They felt that there obviously is a discussion to be had about cultural appropriation when you look at even people like the Kardashians or even you know, using like parts of black culture, you know, for your own kudos when, you know, black people have or any kind of minority people have suffered because of those very features that are now cool. Yeah. But this was suggesting that us pasty and as a big proponent of fake tan myself, us pasty pasty Irish girls were um, culturally appropriating um, with by our use of fake tan. So most people I know who read it said, thought at best thought it was interesting, but thought it was a reach. Mm. So what happened then is smarter people than me. Um, shout out to Rosanna Cooney, an amazing journalist um, and person. Tweeted and said that when she looked at the photograph, the author photograph mm. of the person, to her, it looked. AI generated. Mm. So the person was clearly, you know, a Latino presenting person with blue hair. Mm. Um, and she said that she immediately thought something was up. She ran. It did look window. weird. I even thought that's a weird photo. I didn't think AI, but I was like, it's this is 
yeah, I was like, why does this yeah. person have this photo? That was my instinct. Like, why does yeah. this healthcare worker immigrant to Ireland have this have kind of photograph of themselves? Yeah. yeah. So she ran it through um, the, the article and the photograph through um, uh, like a, a scanner. I don't know. I'm not good at tech, but <laughs> something that can check whether something is AI generated. And then obviously a lot of other people did the same thing. And it turned out that sure enough, the article and the picture had been generated through AI. Mm. It then turned out um, that the person who did it, did it as a hoax. So they gave an interview um, to the Irish Independent, I believe, where they said, yeah, we wanted to show um, what they alleged, that the Irish Times will basically print anything that annoys people. And this is where opinion columns have got to and we wanted to basically outrage people with this. And we wanted to prove that, you know, journalism now is all about making people angry and getting clicks. So the story has gone global. Mm. It was on CNN. I read it in The Guardian. I read it in Sky News. The editor um, of the Irish Times, Ruin McCormick, said that the paper had fallen victim to a deliberate deception mm. and does not take this lightly. Mm. It was a breach of trust between the Irish Times and its readers, and we are genuinely sorry. Mm. The incident has highlighted a gap in our pre-publication procedures. We need to make them robust, more robust, and we will. I would just say, as some insider knowledge, I've spoken to people who work in the Irish Times, and I've been told... This wasn't like the person sent it in and it was put up online. No. There was over a week's worth of back and forth. Yeah. Of edits. Um, and the person gave a phone number so that the opinion editor could contact them. Um, but whatever, it still happened. Yeah. Um, and the feeling among editors, and I saw a lot of this online, was like the Irish Times is first, but they will not be the last. Yeah. And... It definitely shows that AI is going to very much affect journalism. Do you know what I heard the other day, actually? Do you know people are doing podcasts through AI? So what you can do is input loads and loads. Like, this is what I want my podcast to be about. Mm. And it can basically screen the internet for everything about this subject and turn it into a podcast episode. I would love to know what our... I hate it. <laughs> what our what our section would be like through AI, it would just be mostly me saying, and then a lot of um, <laughs> stories about LGBT people being attacked. Well, like the thing about it is, is that like I I recently downloaded like a chat GPT type thing, um, because I was I was actually with like a lot of other uh like influencer people, um, mm-hmm. and I was with James Kavanagh, and we put in our names just for like a bio. And mm-hmm. it, James was delighted with his <laughs> because it really ramped up his career and like said he'd done all kinds of cool things that he hadn't done. Uh, <laughs> mine was like nearly right. Um, but like there were, you know, very major mistakes. So like, you know, look, it's wild. It's a new technology. I, I think, you know, a lot of people listening are kind of panicked by it. But like, mm-hmm. you know, look, we've been panicked by literally every kind of big piece of new technology for as long as time has been. Um and I think we just have to figure out how we're going to work with it and make it work for us. Um, but yeah, fuck, it's, it's so weird. <laughs> so, so weird. Yeah. Um, I have to say, on a personal level, I really feel for the people in the Irish Times who probably had a week from hell as a result of this. Yeah, um, I'd be like. Absolutely. Um, okay, now let's talk about the horrendous 
burning of refugees tents in Dublin. I actually can't even believe I'm saying those words. Yeah, so we are in the middle of an accommodation crisis, both for um, Irish people and people coming here fleeing war and for people seeking international protection. There is nowhere for people to go. So we're in like the stage where we have over 100 people sleeping on the streets. They are mm. basically arrive here. They're given a Dunn's voucher and told, find somewhere to live yourself. Um, so these people did that. They were in the inner city in Dublin and they were living in a kind of makeshift tent, mm. um, kind of wee camp. And a group of racists burnt their tents um and all their belongings mm. and it is horrific the footage was put all over social media um the Garda commissioner um met with the minister for justice um and there is no ongoing concern so the Taoiseach said uh he is worried about the violence um we see things like this happen in other countries and Ireland is a country like any other. Um, there is always going to be an element of people who have far right or racist views, but no human being, uh, we have to reject that unequivocally, and no human being should be burnt or attacked or have faced this kind of hatred. Um, he said he does not think there's enough Gardaí on the streets of Dublin Saturday to tackle this. Mm-hmm. I would argue there's been a lot of Gardaí at a lot of these protests, and they haven't conducted themselves with a sense of professionalism that a lot of people would expect. So I don't think more dirty is the answer personally, but um, the Taoiseach seems to think it is. I think by the time the Gardaí arrive, it is already too late. I think there needs to be a serious discussion about the rise of the far right in Ireland. Yes. We are not going to be protected you know, from this. You know, We used to always argue that Ireland didn't have a far right. I think that has been put to bed now. It is quite clear we do. They and we've, Im- we've imported it. Like, it's wild. Yeah. Um, and I don't think this is going to be the last um, that we see. I think it's revolting. Mm-hmm. I think the fact that we, people come here fleeing war and they are given a Dunn's voucher and told to sort themselves out and they now live on the street. Well, this is it. Is- I mean, the fact that, like, when I, when I said we need to talk about the burning of refugees' tents, it's like, sorry, first of all, re- refugees are in fucking tents on the street. Like, that's problem number one before you yes. even get to the horrendous, you know, uh, like, destroying of their homes and belongings. Like, oh, it's just absolutely disgusting. It's disgusting. They shouldn't have been in a, the, t- the tents shouldn't have been burnt and they shouldn't have been tents in the first place. Exactly. Um, there are thousands of vacant and derelict properties across this country. Well, this is the thing is that those tents... Some of the most vulnerable people in the world are living in tents. Those tents, I I have driven by where this happened loads of times because uh, I drive by it on the way to Ted's crash. And those tents are are literally in the middle of derelict buildings. There is a row of derelict buildings and there is a block of derelict council apartments. And I also would point out that if your racism is based on this mess that immigrants are taking houses away from Irish people, why are you setting tents on fire? Because those people are not taking houses away from anyone. Exactly. Exactly. Um, Well, Aoife, thank you very much. I'm going to let you go. I've just realised I was supposed to file my column two hours ago and I forgot to send it. (laughs) So on that note... (laughs) I was like, okay, we're not doing the last story. All right, see you later. (laughs) Well, we've we've also reached our time. We've reached our time. Okay. 
Um, uh, thank you so much, Eva Moore. Um, very exciting to see your book cover getting out, my yes, friend. Pre-order now, guys. Yeah, Eva's book is available for available for pre-order now. Very exciting. What's it called, Eva? called the long game inside Sinn Féin um you can pre-order it from Eason's the link is in my bio I'll make Louise put it in her bio mm-hmm. <laughs> um, no I'll this, put it in I'll put it in I the show notes loving. for the podcast yeah you, like let me tell you I can tell you for certain Aoife has worked so hard on this book um, and I know it's going to be amazing it's out on the 7th of September it's very exciting okay Aoife I'll let you go have a good one Speak soon. bye, bye. If you don't watch Below Deck, I don't know what you're doing with your life because it is so good. I know lots and lots of people have gotten into it and, um, you know, I think a lot of people got into it via the housewives because maybe they signed up for Hey You and Below Deck is a program on Hey You. But I know lots of like people who aren't into the housewives who love Below Deck because the premise of Below Deck is that you follow the staff of, well, the crew, excuse me, we might as well use nautical terms, the crew of a yacht as they cater to their guests' needs. It is wonderful drama. There's obviously relationships and, you know, working dynamics and you get to see these rich people be absolutely absolutely wild. Um, I've been watching it for years and years. There's lots of different kind of franchises. There's Below Deck, Below Deck Down Under, Below Deck Sailing Up, Below Deck Mediterranean. I watched them all, all of them. And it was such a thrill a few years ago to see that one of the crew members on Below Deck Sailing Yacht was a girl from Dublin. Um, Daisy Kelleher. She is brilliant on the show and I've been dying to talk to her and I was only delighted to get the opportunity to do so recently. I had so many questions about working in yachting, how it all works and of course the show as well. So I hope you enjoy this chat with Daisy. Daisy, I cannot tell you how happy I am to be talking to you. I have been a fan of Below Deck for, well, since season, the very first season of the first version of it. And of course, <laughs> we've gotten to know you in Below Deck Sailing Yacht over the last number of years. And I've had this conversation with loads of my Irish pals who were like, you know, when we heard that when there was an Irish person, like I remember hearing your accent in the trailer and being like, oh, that's an Irish person. And we were all like a little bit nervous because, you know... You were nervous. I was nervous. I was like, there's going to be, I'm going to come back to Dublin and there'll be like pitchforks coming after me being like, this Irish one is absolutely humiliated us. Oh, you, I felt the pressure. No, but you haven't. But that's the thing is that, you know, everyone I know is just absolutely mad about you. Um, And I think it's because, I mean, you're one of us. Like, you're straight talking. You don't take any shit. Um, you have the crack, but, like, you kind yeah. of also are in control of yourself, which can't be said for everyone we've seen on Below Deck over the various franchises in many years. Um, So I'm interested. I guess let's start at the very beginning. Like, where are you from in Dublin? So I moved to Dublin when I was six and I lived in Glenageary. So most of my childhood, I grew up in Glenageary and uh, went to school in Rathdown and then Jared's. And now my parents live out in Cabinteely. So yeah, side side girl. Yeah. Well, that makes yeah. sense, I suppose, because presumably that's, is that how you got into yachting and boats and stuff from living kind of near the sea? Yeah, exactly. Like my dad was always into it and he grew up by the sea and like we come from a strong sailing background. So Mm. I've kind of always known that either living by the sea or um, being around boats. And yeah, we're obviously members of the Yacht Club since a young age and, you know, kind of 
spent all summer being dragged out of bed and down to, you know, my wet suit and going out sailing, which I'm kind of traumatized by. <laughs> I feel like um, that's, that's not so bad, though. I mean, you must, I'd say that keeps you out of trouble to a certain extent. Yeah, for sure. I think Ireland's kind of like America like that, like, you know, all the summer camps. At least I always went to summer camps when I was younger, whether it be like tennis or whatever. And sailing was definitely one of those ones. Mm. Um, I I did love it. I'm traumatized by the cold water, but I genuinely (laughs) did love it. It was great. And yeah, it's it's funny because for me, I just don't know any different. I couldn't imagine you know, even if, you know, one day I have children, it being any different, it was just so like, yeah, we go out sailing and we spend time by the water. And mm. I think a lot of people who grew up, grow up by the water feel like that. They're just mm. like, everyone lives by the water. Yeah, so. yeah. It's not, I must, I like, I think that must be such a lovely way to grow up. I'm in Fibsborough, so we're not, I'm not too far, but like there's, <laughs> not too far. there's no I'm local yacht club. <laughs> far (laughs) yeah exactly especially in Dublin um so so then when did you decide to take you know obviously you were you were living around yachting and boats and stuff like that but when did you decide that that was going to be your career so dad kind of always encouraged me to get into yachting I knew best I 100% knew what I wanted never listened to my parents (laughs) and I was like no I want to get to university he was like okay right whatever uh, and originally I really wanted to go in Dublin but the more we kind of went back and forth I was so lost I was like I what am I gonna do it was like um you know I had no idea what I was good at but I knew I wanted to travel mm. that's you know why he kept kind of saying yachting but I had no interest I'm not kidding like I honestly thought it was like the Merchant Navy or something because he was part <laughs> of the Merchant Navy as well and I was like no that sounds awful mm. I have no interest mm. And he was like, okay, what about hotel management, which several of my aunties and uncles did, um, but in Cahill Street. Mm. And I kind of did my research and I thought Shannon, you know, looked really cool. And you got to travel within studying within Shannon, which really appealed to me. Mm. So I went, got my degree and yeah, then I kind of came back to London and did my placement and it just was not for me quickly. Mm. I would poor very poor and I was like working all hours under this under the sun and just yeah was really not into it mm. so yeah kind of two years later kind of revisited and spoke to my dad and was like yeah I just I'm not happy and he was like yachting <laughs> then at this stage you know Google was more of a thing you know um laptops were a thing so I was, able to- <laughs> I was like oh this is not what I thought it was and mm. Yeah, quickly I got myself to Antibes and and got myself into yachting, which would have been uh, 10 years ago this month. Mm. And what is it like? I mean, obviously we see on Below Deck, we see, you know, you at work, but, you know, you go and you work from from what I've seen and obviously it's TV, so I don't know how accurate it is, but it seems like you go and you work these really intense like stints of, I don't know, is it six, 12 weeks, whatever it is that you guys do obviously you're tipped hopefully quite well so you come away from that presumably having made a good bit of money but then do you kind of give yourself a break or how kind of back to back are your working patterns so this is um hard to explain because it's it's like any industry you know every like you could be like oh I'm an accountant but maybe you know obviously at the time when you're filing taxes is busier than maybe other times so it's a similar thing or like if you work for a particular company or if you're an accountant for an individual rather than, you know, several people. So it's the same thing in yachting. 
you have different types of boats you have you know possibly a charter boat you can get slower paced charter boats that the owner possibly doesn't want to charter it that much and mm. um, and the owner might use it a lot or else you get a really heavy charter boat which back to back which most people will only you know can really only do a few months and then they have to take a break because yeah. they're completely burnt out yeah my personal experience is most of my career and I've done all sorts of boats but the majority of my career was for private owners okay the way that works is you can sometimes do a whole kind of almost year mm. your busy periods are always going to be the summer mm-hmm. and the winter the Caribbean and the summer season um but those are a bit slower paced mm. so they can be longer weeks so the owner might come on for like six weeks which is a long trip mm. every day you work uh from you know 7 a.m till 2 a.m but it's a much slower pace mm. so it's and then I work in those boats all year and then I get my holiday allowance just like anybody else does okay, That's yeah so it's really complicated to answer that question because there's just so many different yeah. variants but 100 something like below deck which boats like that do exist you have to take a break after it yeah days. I mean you're getting four or five hours sleep a night. Yeah. Um. So you do take breaks, but yeah, it's it it's one hundred percent that industry where you work hard and you mm. play hard. The mm. the hours you do work are crazy, but then once you're on your downtime, it's a lot more chill. Yeah, and I think you know that's definitely what we've seen on Below Deck anyway across all of the different um franchises and stuff. It's it's just really interesting because it's not a world that I think a lot of us really knew about or would have had any kind of glimpse into until you know watching this this show. Is it kind of like one of the things that we see on the show? Sorry, I've got so many questions. Um, <laughs> One of the things that we see on the show is uh, obviously you're dealing with lots of different types of people and you don't know, you know, who your guests are going to be and you don't know what they're going to be like. And sometimes they're amazing and it's lovely and then sometimes they're not. Um, So I suppose if you're working with an owner, you must be able, it must be a little bit easier because presumably you can kind of tune into what they want. You know, their routine, like, you, you know, kind of what to expect from a day. Whereas with the below deck style season, you have no idea what's coming 100% there's you know there's pros and cons to both I think with the owners massively you become um, in tune with them you know what they want but at the same time I think there's an extra added pressure because you become you know depending the kind of owner I became very close to my owners Mm. I I work for more kind of family style boats and there is that pressure where you really want to do the best you can do and and knowing you know exactly what they want before because you don't have an excuse you've worked for them for two years mm. like you should be in tune with everything they want so in some ways it's easier but then in some ways it's harder because you have that kind of extra pressure and then definitely on a charter it's really tough because they might come on for a week and then by only by day three or four you've really gotten the hang of it mm. and then you see them and you know, I've done a few charters like that, even off below deck. And mm. it's kind of sad because by day five, you've gotten it down, but they've left in day seven. And mm. that's a bit pointing for them and for yourself. You want to, you know, give the absolute best. But yeah. I, I don't know these people. I can't, yeah. you know, presume and everyone likes different things. 
Um, but then I also don't know them, so I also don't care. So yeah. It's easier to be like, well, I'm sad for like a, a minute. So. Yeah, you're less invested. Um, well, yeah. I like could ask you literally just about working on yachts like all day long, uh, but we don't have time for that. We've got lots to talk about. But um, the reason that we're talking is because I wanted to to – chat around the fact that you are doing basically like a training day where I presume you'll answer all the questions I would have I'm not going to be working in yachting so I won't be there but I'd actually love to go just to learn um a day with Daisy is happening in London on June 3rd is this the result of lots of people coming to you and kind of asking you how do you get into this how does it work like what's the story yeah I mean I can't take full credit it was definitely my friend who came to me and she suggested it and it made sense I get I'm get like inundated with uh, questions about mm. how to get it starting and where to start and you know the day you know it's a slash you're gonna I mean it's one day like mm. you know, there's like we could talk for hours about yachting yeah. and there's different styles of boats and different styles of service but the idea of the day is a you know just if you're interested in meeting me and want to even talk about below death but also to give people that kind of extra bit of confidence going into the industry because it's something that nobody knows about mm. there's jargon there's where to go you know what what am I doing and it's just to kind of give people and I think the industry can be quite intimidating I think yeah. there's a lot of people who get taken I'm sure in every industry taken advantage of mm. and you know I just want people kind of to be able to go to Antibes or Palma and just be like no I know what I'm talking about you're yeah. not gonna take me for a ride so it's you know, you're not going to walk away being like a full, you know, flex. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Don't come if you're expecting that. But definitely <laughs> if people want to be able to, you know, and I, for sure, when I went down 10 years ago, and like I said, Instagram wasn't really a thing. Facebook mm. wasn't really a thing. So it was a steep learning curve. Mm. And, you know, it would have been nice if I had, I didn't even know anyone in yachting. Mm. So I, I didn't even have someone I could ask. So yeah. it would have been nice to have, um, you know, something like that to just, feel confident and feel like I know what I was doing going yeah. down I think yeah. it's it's a great idea because I, I you know and I think it would work in so many industries because even say for me like with the kind of work that I do the media work like lots of people want to do it but they don't know how and then also you don't know things like even things like like rates of pay or like what's appropriate to ask for or like all that kind of stuff and a little bit of information can be really empowering I know I, I absolutely agree with you and I agree with you about the industry thing I think you know I'm only starting you know, in the last few years to start, you know, being more open about talking about money because we grew up, especially as millennials, like you don't talk about money. And suddenly I'm like, hang on a second. We're not talking about money because you're taking me for a ride. Exactly. You don't want us to talk about money. I'm not, you know, talking about going up to in the street to someone and ask about money, but I think it should be a a much more of an open conversation. Mm. I do in the industry, I you know was taken advantage of and it happens a lot and I think yeah it's wrong and I I definitely agree you know even now that my life is kind of transitioning into influencing and media and stuff mm. I know nothing yeah. like really nothing and I'm like anyone out there want to help me yeah <laughs> but I could really do with I could really do with them yeah a bit of a bit of help and yeah I agree I think if you know there was a seminar for an influencer here I would go to it yeah I think like I would sometimes people would contact me and say like you know I've been approached to do this you know sponsored content or whatever I have no idea what to charge like what what kind of money are we talking what's reasonable and and 
I remember having that same feeling when I started to to do a little bit of that work and not really feeling like I could ask anybody. And I'm always like, ask me, I will tell you because every single time people are underselling themselves. But if yeah. there's no one there to kind of tell you, you just don't oh, know. Just take advantage. Like my whole, I mean, this is a big topic, friendly enough around my friends and stuff at the moment. And I'm just like, when you know a captain said oh this is what we're offering i just always presumed it was what i was worth mm. i didn't actually think that people you know tried to and um, take advantage you know and i'm talking about i would have been like 25 at the time and i was like well i'm presuming you're you're paying me what i'm worth yeah or what you the standard rate is and you know fast forward 10 years later i was like oh no wait i still don't know what they were gaining from it i guess you know when yeah. the bottom line is is better you know that's when they get their bonuses and things mm. like that 100 i'm experiencing that you know going into influencing mm. i just presume they're like oh we'll, we'll pay you this or a post or whatever and i'm like yeah okay that's that's how much the rate is and then i'm like oh no they were just <laughs> there in their office laughing be like oh this idiot i know like, and then there's nothing more enraging than finding out that someone else for the same work or whatever with a similar oh, following okay. or whatever has yeah. made loads more money and you just didn't know to ask for it um, 100%. Now, I have to ask you about Below Deck, obviously. Uh, why did you decide to do it? How did that happen? So I lost my job during COVID. <laughs> I went on holiday and uh, just my normal annual holiday, got off the flight and the world went into lockdown. Mm. Fast forward a couple of days later, I found out I lost my job, which was, my stuff was still on the boat. They, mm. um, all of my belongings, everything. It was so hectic. And, you know, um, obviously things transpired pretty quickly. I was fully locked down. My parents, you know, lost all my income, everything. And yeah, I was down. I, I, and especially the, you know, we all know the hospitality industry and the yeah. yachting industry really um, got affected very quickly. Mm. And, you know, I was trying to get jobs and they're like, like everyone's getting let go and especially yeah. um, pay cuts and definitely not hiring. Mm. And yeah, uh, an old the captain and a friend of mine were like, why don't you do below deck? And I was like, actually, I have literally nothing to lose. Now, I never thought in a million years I was going to get it. Yeah. But I'm not getting out of bed till 2 p.m. I have no money. I'm 34 and living at home. All my stuff is on some boat in some other continent. I was like, well, I have nothing to lose. And then, yeah, kind of fast forward two months later, they were like, yes, we want to give you the job. I was like, oh, I didn't actually think this was going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> and how, yeah. how have you found the experience of it? Because, I mean, it's, I mean, there are so many eyes on that show all around the world, like at home, but everywhere else as well. Presumably it means that you're susceptible to a lot of feedback from total strangers on the internet. Like, how have you found all of that? Yeah, I find everything um, kind of okay, to be honest. I Good. think I'm a resilient person. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I, I think I just felt grateful that I was ready to kind of leave yachting anyway. I'd, you know, done it for eight years full mm. time. My time was coming to an end. And I think I was constantly being like, what am I going to do? And this kind of all came together and, you know, and finding that, that silver lining during the pandemic. And that for me was the silver lining that mm. I got to do you know, I have a new career and something that was actually also really fun. And mm. so I find the whole experience just fine. Like it's different. My, my life is very different now mm. in ways. But for me, it's, I just, for me, it's just work. Yeah. So I don't, 
think too much about it. I don't, every time, you know, there are conversations or I get messages, like for me, everything's work. I'm like, well, it's, I don't take it personally. Yeah. Sometimes read a comment and I'll be like, oh, that is not what happened. Mm-hmm. This is what happened. <laughs> but the majority of the time I'm like, it's just work. Like yeah. I'm prepared to do a job. It, you know, happens to be on TV. And then there's the other stuff off after I film a show, obviously doing things like podcasts and, yeah. you know, appearances and things like that. And for me, I'm just like, it, it's just the way my career has gone. So I think kind of having that attitude has made it a lot easier for me. And it does really look like you're having fun. Like, I mean, it's been so fun to watch your kind of journey for want of a better word with say Gary, like you guys have such an entertaining relationship to watch. And then, you know, the kind of occasional spark of many types happens um you but it seems like you guys are good friends yeah it is you know it is fun and I think it's funny kind of now almost a year later after we filmed it's you know I, I I have to remind myself like I'm you know a big stress head and I'm that typical you know 30 year old just like everything is falling apart everything <laughs> is awful and then you know I kind of reflect and I'm like actually no wait like I did have a lot of fun and, you know, it's easy for me to be in the season and to look back in the season mm. and be like, it was just awful. It was just it was so stressed. And I'm like, actually, I just think I'd like to complain. I honestly think I've just done many of them. It's like, everything's awful. We got the short end of the stick. But when I sit down and think about it, I'm like, I love it. Like, I, lo- mm. I loved yachting and mm. I still do. And you know, I, I thrive under stressful environments and we had so much fun. Like, it's so cool to do what we do and to meet all the people we meet whether they're you know the other crew members or the guests on the boat the experiences we have we laugh all the time and Mm. yeah those stressful moments are hard but you know I always say to everyone I'm like the you know the more stressful you are the better you're talking better you're gonna laugh afterwards Mm. so um it is really fun um so we're in the middle of the current series obviously and um I will tell you that when we got the trailer for the series, there was one thing in it that got all of me and my friends talking. And it was, oh my God, something's going to happen with Daisy and the hot engineer. <laughs> we were all like, oh my God. And last night, or not last night, whatever, when the, whenever the most recent episode that aired of Sailing Yacht, there's this moment with you guys. And like, it's like, it's nothing's happening, but everything's happening, and you're talking, <laughs> so and it funny. felt so hot. I was like, the chemistry, yeah. Like, I was like, this is so sexy. I'm like, Jesus, all I have to do that is sexy. Oh my God. <laughs> it was, though. Yeah, I guess, you know, I guess it's an important moment um, to show because I guess it's kind of leading up to what's going to happen. But, uh, you know, Colin and I have been friends for a long time. Yeah. I always hook up with my friends. I always date people who I'm friends with, so maybe it was just well, inevitable. That's a good way to be, I think. I mean, a good way a good way to, you know, you don't want to date people you don't like, obviously. But, no, um, like, yeah, you just get to know them. And I think there was, yeah, maybe it was just that kind of, I don't know, I guess we were like, exactly like what you said, there was nothing happened, but everything happened. I guess maybe in that moment it was, you know, we're saying we're both not going to hook up with each other, but I guess, or with anyone else, but I 
I don't know, maybe we're saying, are we going to hook up? I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, everyone's freaking out about that. Something's happening. There's a tension and it's very exciting. I'm loving it. I'm very excited to see how that develops. I'm not expecting you to tell me. But like, I think as well, the one of the reasons that it's exciting is because obviously Colin's been there. Like we've all been looking at him, but he's been so, he was always kind of above the fray a little bit because he was obviously in relationships and he just, he seems some, like someone who's just kind of got his shit together. Um, so then to have him be available and engaged with our beloved Daisy, it's very exciting. Is it weird though to have those kind of like, you know, romance might be putting too much weight in it, but like, you know, those kind of, you know, I don't think I would want to watch myself like kissing someone on TV basically is what oh, I'm saying. Oh, it's horrific. Yeah. It's absolutely horrific. I hate it. Definitely the worst part. Um, yeah, I would. I'm a, I'm a very open person, but definitely when it comes to relationships, I'm pretty private. Yeah, maybe never happens. <laughs> but but no, it's yeah, it's something. Yeah, it's not easy to kind of because you're you're having to explain something that's so complicated. Yeah. First of all, watch, and then you're having to explain something that's not. You know, I think everyone has complicated relationships, but it's not as simple as being like, yeah, this is my boyfriend or we're married or whatever. It's mm -hmm. like, you know, you're constantly being asked what's going on with me and Gary or now what's going on with me and Colin. And I'm mm -hmm. like, it's straightforward. Like, I don't even know what's going on. So to have to explain that it's so yeah. much harder. So it's definitely not the fun part of the job for me anyway, but I'm glad everyone else is enjoying yeah, it. Yeah, I was just going to say, sorry, sorry for you. Happy for us because it's very entertaining to watch. Um, do you, did you watch Below Deck before you became part of it? Yeah, we did. We watched it on our old boat and the engineer was mad for it. And I, I originally I was like, oh, whatever. I was like, okay, we'll watch it together. And yeah, we were into it. You know, it's, it was interesting mainly to compare like how we would do stuff. You know, mm. we did like pause and be like, oh, I wouldn't have done that. Mm. But yeah, I watched it. I wouldn't say like I was, I, I, I would have watched most of it, but yeah. Um, you weren't like obsessed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I could talk to you all day. Uh, it has been so nice to talk to you. Um, you're based, are you based in London now? I am, yeah. But do you come home much? When, might we see you around town? Yes, all the time. <laughs> I'm trying not to at the moment because uh, I was home so much over uh, the winter. Right. But yeah, I always kind of pop home. It's so easy. And yeah, my family and friends are still there. So yeah, definitely. And it's always the voice. People always hear the voice. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> not voice. Um, yeah, well, I'll definitely be around. I love sure. it. I love it. Well, if you want to go to A Day With Daisy, if you're in London or if you're, you want to travel to London, um, you can check out all the details around Daisy's Instagram. She's at daisykelleher87 on Instagram. I'll put a link in the show notes so you can have a look. And it's on the 3rd of June. Sounds like it's going to be a great day. Thank you so much, Daisy. It has been such a pleasure. You. We'll have a great day as well. And yeah, enjoy the rest of the season. Thanks. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Now, obviously we need to talk about Beyonce and fortunately my guest this week was also just at Eurovision so we had loads and loads and loads to discuss as well as the usual what is going on with Maddie Healy from the 1975 and Taylor Swift do we believe these rumors let's chat to podcaster Kean Sullivan well Kean Sullivan uh we have already recorded this my friends I <laughs> I accidentally hit the stop button instead of the record button so um I'm gonna make Kean tell you everything that he just told me <laughs> because Kean was just at Eurovision Yes. Well, my experience this is always better the second time anyway, so you're getting a more uh, concise and better version. Yes, over the weekend, I was at Liverpool with every other homosexual in Ireland, it felt like. Um, and it was, it was brilliant. Liverpool is an amazing city. There was music sort of teeming through the streets. There was just an amazing atmosphere in there. There was the arena you could go to, but I ended up going to kind of the Euro Village, which is the, the fan zone that was kind of located on Pierhead. So you're looking out over the Mersey River and then you see you have like this, these like big sort of old sort of Georgian buildings that are kind of around you. So amazing setting. It's kind of a day long event, like it's a week long event, to be honest, but like a day long event for the ticketed aspect. So you had the Venga Boys playing, Katrina and the Waves our Eurovision entry last year, Brooke was performing. Jedward did this sort of like sing along Eurovision karaoke thing. And did you have I to forgot. get a, did you have to get a ticket for the fan zone? Yes. Okay. Which is the first year, to my knowledge, that you had to, which was a surprise to me because, like, the first time I went in Vienna, maybe in 2016, it was a much smaller gig. You could mm. just rock up in front of the town hall and yeah. bring your beer and, and watch it. But it seems to be getting bigger and bigger every year. So this is the first year, to my knowledge, that it was ticketed. Yeah. Um, and there was like security for you know bombs and stuff um so you could so you couldn't bring your own drink but like other than that like it's just like every other thing you'd expect at a festival whether it's long yeah. or, or whatever mighty hoopla um and then it's just a day long of eurovision it's so great to see people from all over europe in there like you can just look at the flags and stuff like that and it's like how often are you standing between like someone from lithuania and someone from malta and you're all sort of cheering on together and stuff like that so yeah it's an amazing atmosphere yeah and uh yeah, so on the actual night, there was two contenders, Sweden and Finland, and Finland was by far the most popular amongst the fans in Liverpool. There was this 
sauna bus that you could like pay to get into the sauna that was in the back of a bus and the bus had like the lead the singer from Eurovision of Finland on the side of it people were wearing like his green bolero it was like on the ground you would have thought Finland had it in the bag yeah um, and it seemed so like it the, v- the viewers felt the same like everybody that's all I heard of people talking about I mean obviously people were talking about Lorraine because she's a Eurovision legend already mm-hmm. but um it seemed like very much the kind of public was behind Finland yeah, that's definitely true. And for everybody I've spoken to, they've said I would have rather Finland win than Sweden, which I think is kind of a bit bizarre to a certain degree because the song is this like heavy metal, techno, hyper pop mashup song, which kind of just works. And I think it's because it was this sort of different sound that was a lot more kind of current mm. compared to Lorene, who had already won. Like she won with yeah. Euphoria back in 2012, which is like the best Eurovision song of all time, some might say. Um, so I think... That might be what also helped Finland, but it was a very, very unanimous from the public yeah. that they wanted Finland to win, which was interesting. Yeah. Um, and you were saying there that uh, things got a bit tetchy in the arena when it went. Yes. <laughs> so, so on the actual night, so if you ha- didn't watch it, basically when, when they go to each country and they give out their 12 points, that's purely the jury vote. Yeah. And then while they're giving them out, they, they calculate the, the televote and they stack them all up and they lump them all in one go. So Finland got the highest vote from the public and they got in one go 376 points um but because we spent like 45 minutes going to every country yeah. giving sweden 12 the audience in the arena got very kind of heated and i think there was booing at times and like graham norton had to kind of like calm them down it was all sort of got very heated for eurovision <laughs> i just love the idea of graham norton calming down an audience for fear of what might happen like you know because they're not happy with the way the, the eurovision vote is going like such a you wouldn't expect there to be aggro but i i enjoy that there was um, and yeah. yeah, no people are really passionate zone, about it no aggro in this fan zone yeah the only yeah. time there was ever a boo was when charles and camilla came on screen oh really and that was from the british not <gasps> not the Italian people really that's interesting, isn't it? I know. I was surprised. I was surprised. And did you talk to anyone about it, like where it's coming from? Not really, because we left. Kind of, we wanted to get into the clubs afterwards, so we uh, yeah almost left. But uh, yeah, <laughs> I, 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 my understanding is that the monarchy are a lot less popular in the north of England, so I figured it was that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You kind of wonder: is it the monarchy in general? Is it like? You know, people seem to be still quite upset about Diana and the whole, you know. Even the coronation being so fresh in their heads, like, yeah. we were like, oh, we wonder whether the Queen would have been booed. I doubted it. So, no, yeah, nobody would have booed the Queen. But, like, the Queen yeah. was a nice old lady, like, at the end of the day. Yeah. Nobody's going to boo a nice yeah. old lady. Well, I mean, I, I know there are people who would argue about the nice bit, but, like. Yeah, it's, exactly. Yeah. So, okay, so, yeah, well. 100% recommend if anyone's listening and they think they want to go um, next year yeah. to Stockholm 2024. Yeah. I recommend. And, and next year. Start saving, though. Actually, Stockholm is expensive. It's fine. <laughs> uh, next year also is the 50th year anniversary of uh, Waterloo winning the competition. So mm. you can imagine it's going to be apatastic. Mm. Have you been Maybe, to ABBA Voyage? No, I really want to go. I really want to go. I really want to go. Everybody I know who's been says it's like life change. Like, I know several people who've cried. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, me too. Me too. Which yeah. is like, I mean, it, they're holograms. And yes, I, I mean, it seems to be some sort of magical experience. I have heard if you are going, it's best to get the dance floor tickets, though. Yes, I've heard that too. Excellent tip. Well, speaking of dance floor, I was on the dance floor of the, couldn't even tell you what the place was called, uh, some sort of stadium in Cardiff. (laughs) 
<laughs> it's probably sponsored. It's probably like the oh my god, know, that's so funny. O2 or whatever. Yeah, some sponsored. You know, Cardiff Walkers Principality Arena. Stadium. That's where I was. Uh, Cardiff okay. Principality Stadium. While I was there, I was like, oh, they probably play rugby here or something. My friend was laughing at me. He was like, yes, I'm, I'm pretty sure they do. Um, <laughs> but for me, it was just the venue for Beyonce. Um, it was absolutely incredible. As indicated by the fact that I didn't know what the arena was called, I was very much a passenger on this entire uh, thing. My friend organized the tickets, organized the flights, organized the hotel, like organized everything. I kind of had to like resign myself to to not going to this tour because I didn't get tickets initially. And like, obviously she wasn't playing in Dublin. And mm. I was like, well, um, you know, your girl is busy. I don't have time to be organizing. But then Sean was like, no, we're going. Um, and I'm so, so glad that he did organize it. I'm just looking on the Telegraph here. And um, she got a five-star review. Um, and it says Beyonce Renaissance World Tour Cardiff sh review she came she sang she conquered and then the subhead is are we getting carried away this breathtaking extravaganza was a kind of show to get carried away by um, and I think that's actually true like she played for I was trying to figure it out there I mean, definitely two and a half hours. I think longer. There was no mm. support. It was just, I mean, it wasn't just her. Obviously she had dancers and everything, but like, you know, she started with Dangerously in Love, which is an, not a new song. Like it's an old song. I think it came out definitely more than 10 yeah. years ago. Oh, um, 2003, I'd say it's 20 years old. Yeah, Dangerously in Love. I, I'm so bad at years. Um, What year? What year? 2017? No, no, that's when the YouTube, 2003, <laughs> you're correct. Yeah. Um, sorry, I'm so bad at years. I'm like yesterday, right. the mo last month. <laughs> um, but anyway, she came out and sang that and like, that's a slow song and she just sang it. Like, you know, it was just a total showcase of her voice. Um, and then she sang a couple of other slow songs and then, then everything happened. The stage opened and it was like, welcome to Club Renaissance. And she had, you know, a huge stage, uh, which was all screen. Um, so the visuals kind of worked really well with the performance. She's just amazing. She's amazing. And we got everything. We got like, you know, there's that like kind of dirty, bold Beyonce. We got her. We yeah. got like classy, you know, classy long gloves singing Beyonce. We got every kind of Beyonce that we know we got. And she was just like, she's just, I, I, she is an alien superstar. She's not, mm. I don't think she's a human being. Like she's, she's, she's not the same as me. Like we are not, I mean, obviously, but like we're, I don't even think we're the same creature. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> she's, yeah, she, I can't, I've never actually managed to see her yet. And I did want to see her on this tour, mm. but the tickets came out like a, a week after the Madonna tickets and I was like, I can't do yeah. this. These kids are trying to kill me. Like I couldn't actually afford yeah. anymore, but I really do want to see her next time around uh, because I, by all accounts, it sounds amazing. And, you know, there was all this conversation with Taylor Swift and, and I, there are people are comparing them and that's not really fair about her, how long her, her set list is. But if this is the way it's going, you know, that yeah. more and more artists are going to be doing two and a half, three hour sets. Like I'm here for it. Because Me too. Because getting more expensive. Well, this is it. They're getting more expensive and they're getting more fucking annoying to buy. Like I hate this thing of, um. so I'm Beyonce and I'm playing a gig and the gig is, uh, is next month and the tickets went on sale yesterday, but only some of the tickets. And then some of the tickets are going on sale. Actually, they went on sale five minutes ago and you need this password and the other ones mm -hmm. are going on sale in 10 minutes and like you're like what like you can't even it happens so quickly you're supposed to just have the money and there's so many different sections you don't know which section you're supposed to be going for there's 17 different pre-sales it's so annoying so if they're going to put us through all of that I think that yes the least they can do is give us a really good show and in fairness she did and I was thinking of Taylor Swift because actually my friend who I was with 
I mean, this is ridiculous, but he was at Taylor Swift in Philadelphia a few days ago. Okay. <laughs> I know. It's insane. He's like, I'm not doing anything for the whole rest of the year. But um, he was ho- really high on that Taylor Swift show. Like he said, it was absolutely incredible. He said he was he was in like as far away from Taylor Swift as you could possibly have been at the gig. Like he was in the last row at the very highest mm-hmm. tier of the of the stadium. And he said it was amazing from there. Like, you know, because the staging is so, so clever and so brilliant. He said she played so many songs. His favorite song that she played wasn't even a song that he was particularly into, but like he really mm. enjoyed it on the night. And just, he said the vibe and the energy was so good because her fans are just so into it. And he was like, he was like, I just think teenage teenage girl fan is an energy I'm very comfortable in. <laughs> I was like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, um, well, before we get into Taylor Swift, I was going to ask for people who are going to the Renaissance store, do you have a particular song or run of songs that is a highlight that people can look forward to? Well, I really enjoyed when she came out on stage. She came out on this like vehicle. It wasn't a car. It was some sort of alien vehicle. Um, and she was kind of like riding it and it was very sexy. And I think... Keen, I, I had a drink. Um, I think, <laughs> I can't actually remember which song she was playing. I know she did, um, you know, Yancey All in His Mouth, like liquor, oh, which yeah. is like one of my yeah. favorite bits of, of her music ever, even though it wasn't like a single or anything. Um, and she did that. And we were dancing with these guys behind, beside us. And I was just like, this is maybe the best I've ever felt. Mm, like nice. I'm having the time of my life. Um, and she was on the car and it was, yeah, it was very special. It was so just the whole thing. for that car. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but honestly, like it's you well, like it, the entire thing. Like you're on a high for the entire thing. If you're okay. a Beyonce fan, like I know all of the songs because I mm-hmm. love Beyonce. Um, like even you know if you were trying to figure out kind of when to go and get a drink or go to the toilet, you know I was looking at the set list. It was pretty hard because the songs yeah. are all good, but there are actually there are transitions. So like you know bits where she's changing or whatever, and they are kind of I would say long enough to go get a drink and go to the bar. So just if you feel, if she stops singing and leaves the stage, that's your chance. Go have your break and then get back in because it's all killer, no filler. Nice. Anyway, we better get into the week stories um, because there is a lot to discuss. And actually, let's start with Taylor Swift because there's, Mm -hmm. I, 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 I hate this. There are these rumors that she's with Maddie Healy from the 1975. At first, I was like, this cannot possibly be true. This is like promo for some sort of collaboration. But now I'm starting to think that maybe it is true. What do you think? So uh, I think it was James who was on on the pod when it was announced that uh, her she broke up with Joe Alwyn and mm. he was suggesting whether Pete Davidson was on the scene. Yeah. But I mean, I feel Maddie Healy is basically a British Pete Davidson to a oh. certain degree, but just a bit more um, problematic comments mm-hmm. said in the past. So, but, but yes, uh, over the last... So I guess it kind of started... The rumors started back in January when Taylor Swift came out and performed Antihero live for the first time at a 1975 gig. And then more recently, um, when the 1975 finished their tour in the Philippines, Maddie flew all the way, I think this was the 5th of May, from the Philippines to go hang out at the Nashville gig for Taylor Swift. And then since then, they've been spotted more and more. On last Friday, they were spotted by page six quote unquote um cuddling and kissing at lunch before being joined by mutual friend jack antonoff at which at which point i assume they they knuckled down and they printed up their scorecards for eurovision the following day <laughs> then on monday we were spotted together in new york coming out of a building and he has like the hand on the small of her back and stuff like yeah. that i mean these are clearly pap walks so they clearly want us to know that yeah. they're hanging out together this is the thing. We're coming off the back of her being so private. You know what I mean? With Joe Alwyn. Like that relationship was, 
extremely private. We ne- we very rarely got photographs like this of them. And in these few weeks, we've seen them kind of everywhere. That's why I'm like, what is she? she everything she does is intentional. So like, what is she mm. trying to tell us? I don't well, know. I would say what she's trying to tell us is that Speak Now, Taylor's version is coming out soon. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't want to say, I feel like I'm always get cynical about these things when I'm on this show, but like, I don't think that's a coincidence. I know a lot of her fans aren't happy about this. They've been digging up things that Matt, Maddie Healy has said in the past mm. from doing Nazi salutes on stage to uh, this interview when he said, these are very deep questions from girls dressed like you. Um, and so like, there's he's been called out for being an asshole for, for a wide range of things. Mm. And then he normally does a sort of, deep interview where he kind of shows that he's understanding of the patriarchy and he kind of wins favor back again so yeah i know taylor Swift fans aren't happy about this but i mean they're not normally happy it's very hard for to make them happy so i think i'd be interested to see if this goes the distance i feel it might peter out after a while yeah yeah oh i hope so because more than anything i think everyone who has a breakup should have a period of not being in a relationship after that breakup mm-hmm. like that you Especially need that apparently he apparently he specifically said that he would find going out with taylor swift very emasculating what? So maybe he's, he's oh yeah. fuck off. i hate that guy okay all right next uh let's talk about the Cannes film film festival which is on at the moment or is it over now what day is it <laughs> It's Thursday. <laughs> I'm so confused. Um, yeah, I mean, there, I feel like there's always something that comes out of the Cannes Film Festival, which makes you kind of roll your eyes or be like, oh, for fuck's sake. Um, and that has happened this year for me. It's the, the lengthy standing ovation for Johnny Depp. Um, yeah, so Johnny Depp is there to uh, promote his latest film, the first film since his, since his court case with Amber Heard. Mm. Um Jean du Barry and uh he is plays some French king in it. Um and he arrived at the Cannes Film Festival. The Cannes Film Festival had stopped protesters who wanted to attend from attending and instead allowed in a lot of Johnny Depp fans with sorry, can you hear that beeping noise? That's my teams going off in the background. No. No. Okay, great. Uh, the Cannes Film Festival did allow all these uh, fans of his to arrive there with signs and to cheer him on and who came to see the film after which he received a seven minute standing ovation. From the reports, I found it hard to work out whether the whole theatre was was cheering or whether it was just the fans. But ultimately, he got a seven minute standing ovation. I don't know who was there with the stopwatch, but basically there was a lot of congratulations, back patting. Happy to have you here, Johnny Depp questions about do you feel like you've been boycotted by Hollywood and him being like oh I don't really think about Hollywood anymore which is a bit rich considering he was claiming that he lost all his work from yeah. Amber Words saying if he doesn't care about Hollywood he seems to care about it back in the trial um so yeah that was kind of the gist of what happened I just like like at the end of the day this is a man who jokingly texted his friend about fucking killing his girlfriend and fucking her corpse like even if you don't believe any of the other stuff which I you know, whatever, like, excuse me, those texts happened. Like he said that, like, and, and lots of other horrendous things. And like, he, I just find it absolutely disgusting, basically that, that he's still being kind of lauded in this way. Um, but that's, Hey, that's showbiz, I guess that's showbiz. (laughs) Um, and staying with showbiz, of course, uh, let's talk about the BAFTAs. Um, because we had some great Irish wins, uh, which were lovely to see. 
Absolutely, the Irish wins keep on coming. So there was uh, Best Drama went to Bad Sisters, which I guess is mostly a British production, but with an Irish, a mostly Irish cast, which is great to see Sharon Horgan accept that award as well, who yeah. I absolutely adore. Same. And Anne-Marie Duffy, who is British, uh, won uh, acting award for that as well. She played Sister Grace. Mm. Um, and then Derry Girls won Best Comedy. Lisa McGee went up uh, to accept the award. <clears throat> I really enjoyed, think, I saw her saying she didn't think she'd win. So she, she wasn't wearing the shoes. <laughs> yes, exactly. She was in her comfy shoes. Extremely me thing to happen. And I would also be very upset about that. Like the VIP style awards are on next Friday. And I have a pair of shoes that I will be wearing for the red carpet and taking off immediately. Like that's, that's just, that's how I roll. So I fully, fully respect that. Um, <laughs> but I just, re- I, yeah, if I win, <clears throat> I won't. Uh, but if I win, I will, that'll be an issue that I could potentially have. But then, Which if you put so your you're fan- inspired if you, by Elisa you, McGee, yeah, if you put your fancy shoes on, then it looks like you're thinking you're going to win. Do you know what I mean, well, Alisa? I'm with you. Somebody else who was in comfy shoes was, I think, the winner of the night, Siobhan yeah. McSweeney, who won for her acting performance in Derry Girls. I saw her on the red carpet talking about. I actually I meant to get the name of the company who dressed her, but basically, her saying that she didn't want any of the designers who reached out to dress her for the BAFTAs to dress her because they weren't interested in her before she was BAFTA nominated. So mm-hmm. she stuck to people who she worked with regularly uh, who are willing to who to dress her because of her body. Um, I'm pretty sure it was Fashion Brand Company um, because they're a company who like I it. follow as well because they make they're inclusive. And, you know, obviously that's mm-hmm. something that I care very deeply about. And actually that mm-hmm. Siobhan and I have spoken about many times. Um, you know, I was... I was very, very happy to see her talking about this because, you know, when people get famous, I said this on the Patreon episode earlier in the week, when people get famous, they have access that they didn't have before and they will have big name designers offering to dress them. But like, you know, it's very frustrating as a plus size person to see plus size women you know, get famous, all of a sudden have access to things that the rest of us don't have access to and never kind of acknowledging that like, there's still a major disconnect. Like it's all well and good if Chanel will dress Lizzo for the Met Gala. But like at the end of the day, no rich fat woman can walk into a shop and buy Chanel. Um, Mm And so I love that she kind of stuck with her values on that. And she looked, I thought she looked amazing. Yeah, she looks amazing in, in in this kind of scarlet red. She looks fantastic. Yeah, like and a shiny patent. Like, I love it. It's just so, yeah. I love to see, <coughs> sorry. I love to see <laughs> women like me dressing unapologetically. Like, we're not yeah. hiding. We're wearing patent red leather or whatever that material was. And then trainers, she said, because she yeah. didn't want to be in heels. Yes, so I love I her. Like, there we go. She's a relatable queen. And then on the, when she was winning her performance, she had the best speech of the night as well, saying, I don't want to, I didn't want to, um, you know, make it too sad, but here's a quick joke. And then spoke about how on her deathbed, her mum tried to convince her to give up the acting and to become a teacher and now she's won <laughs> an award for playing a teacher yeah. uh, and then finished it off with a really gorgeous political statement about the people of Derry and mm. how beautiful and warm and welcome they are just like Aoife Moore mm-hmm. uh, to uh, you know to them and the cast and how they've negotiated the difficulty of life in Northern Ireland amongst the the foolery of the politicians in yeah. all three parliaments um, so yeah gorgeous gorgeous speech Brilliant, uh, well-deserved um, mm. woman. So yeah, that's Siobhan McSweeney. I love her. Um, if you're a new listener, I did. A, I had a great chat with Siobhan on an episode uh, a while ago, which I will link to in the show notes so that you can um, listen to it if you haven't listened to it already. She's just brilliant and I love her. She is. Yeah, also brilliant 100%. is you, 
Kian Sullivan, thank you so much. <laughs> thank you for sticking around, even though I forgot to press record the first time. Um, and <laughs> your patience is so appreciated. No um, Happy to be here. Uh, tell us what's what's going on in your podcast land at the moment. Yeah, so uh, RuPaul's Drag Race All Stars 8 has started. So my podcast is back covering that. I have a new co-host for this season, which is TikToker Chris is Adam Dumb. So the two of us will be chopping up our thoughts on the season with some guests along the way so if you're watching it and you want to be part of the chat head over to sis.pod or at sis.pod on instagram i've got it i fell off drag race i've got to get back into it like i'm an og drag race watcher i've got to i've got to get back on the train and um, do you think i haven't even seen who's in this all-star season is it looking like it's going to be good I'm finding a lot of people a lot of my regulars for the podcast have actually fallen off um i think it's just you know Oh, certain amount of saturation and people are kind of yeah. falling behind in it. Uh, uh, it's a, a not what you'd... All Stars is a kind of in quotation marks. It's kind of more second chance saloon. Is okay. Kind of what I'd call it. But there's a lot of sort of early outs that are in it. Okay. A lot of people from early seasons that people may have forgot about. Maybe you know, oh, Jessica yeah. Wilde. I love that drink. Yeah. Um, uh, who else that you know Jimbo from Canada's in there as well so there's there's kind of it's really like a redemption round this okay. time and there's a fun twist which is basically if you get kicked out you get invited back to do all your runways because these queens spend so much money on their outfits so mm. you get to basically pre- walk the runway in what fans can vote for which the eliminated queens will get a mm. backup prize so I like it fun. okay well thank you very much so go check out Sissy That Pod Keen Sullivan thank you so much thank you very much from me folks um, I don't have a lot of recommendations didn't watch a lot of TV this week I did read My Hot Friend by Sophie White which obviously Sophie is my friend um, so you know you could argue that there would be some bias there but I take my recommendations to you very seriously um, and I wouldn't recommend something if I didn't genuinely like it and I really really enjoyed My Hot Friend it's about um, friendship I suppose it's about the impact of social media there's a really interesting um, kind of mental health storyline it's such a great like get stuck in read it in a a few sittings read um and I also really like the color scheme of the cover even though I know you shouldn't judge a book by its cover but I do it's kind of pink and green I like it very much it's out now go and get it my hot friend by Sophie White other than that I will let you go I hope you have a lovely week but of course if you can't have a lovely week just put one foot in front of the other and I will talk to you next Friday thanks a million to ACAST for having me on the network and to my wonderful contributors I will talk to you soon Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. 
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.